I used to write down if any negative thoughts came up or any that I could remember when I was journaling. I would actually write them down and then write the counter thought to them. So kind of like your fixed new growth mindset. So if something came up and I was like, for an example, I'm not good enough, I would change it and say, I'm still learning or like something that's more of a positive mindset than what you originally thought. And then the more you kind of acknowledge it, the more you realize when you're saying it. And then the more you realize when you're saying it, the less you actually start to say it. So it's kind of like a repeat on effect. You sort of start with something very, very simple and then it kind of builds over time. And then when you get to the end result, then it becomes just part of your lifestyle. Welcome everyone to Life with Lisa podcast. Our mission at Life with Lisa is to share people's stories and the challenges that they have overcome so that those who are listening in can get the strength, the courage, and the hope to be their better selves. And today we have a very special guest, and I would say she is very multi-talented. When I was researching her, I was shocked to how many things she got up to. Not only she is an entrepreneur who has built a community of over 100,000 people across her social media platforms, she also does things like personalized, personalized fine art designs, she creates content for other brands, she manages her own community, which is absolutely incredible. And she also, man and she also shares everything related to motivation and consistency and it's helping her community to create the life that they want and build those rituals in to help them do so. Caitlin, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. That was a very enlightening introduction. I'm flattered. <laughs> Of course. And it, it's true. It's just everything that you actually do do in your real life. And let's yep. start from there. Um, I really wanted to ask you about how, how did you get to working for yourself? Is it something that you always envisioned and uh, how is that working out for you? Yeah. So I definitely say from a young age, I always knew I didn't want to sit in a nine to five desk job or I didn't want to do I put in quotation marks, the ordinary kind of jobs. Um, I was always very creative growing up. That's why I started in, you know, I grew up doing art and drawing and things like that with family. In terms of how I got into it as a job, I um, actually started in food photography in 2018. I was working with a nutritionist at the time and um, she sort of saw some of the work that I was doing and I started photographing for some recipe books that she was putting out. Um, so I kind of did that on the side of what I was doing. I was working in the fitness industry and then I moved to where I am now. So I'm in Brisbane, um, Australia, uh, the middle of 2021, I think that was. And when I did that, I kind of said to myself, like, I want to give myself the opportunity to just go after whatever it was. I didn't really know what I was going after. Like I, just, I knew I wanted to work for myself and I knew I wanted to do something on social media and be able to build a community and give back to them. Um, but I kind of just, I wasn't sure what that was. And then it kind of developed over time and my audience started to grow. And then I sort of found what I really liked doing. And then I became fully self-employed maybe like August last year. Uh, so that's when I took the leap and yeah, it's been going really well ever since. It's quite crazy how, in 2021, you just decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do. 
and you're not really sure you're not no. really sure what is uh, how how it will look like or how you'll get there but you kind of just make a decision which is quite scary you just said okay i want to build a community i'm not yet sure how i'll do that how did you actually manage to navigate that and just then find what you would like to be doing and also have this trust and confidence in yourself to actually go for it. Because I can imagine, you know, so many people listening in, they also want either to become content creators or they have some other passions that they have not even discovered, but they do want to build a more meaningful life. But they're also in this unknown situation where they're not really sure. So how did you navigate that? Because this is incredible and seeing you, your success on social media is incredible. Well, thank you. Um, and yeah, it, I'm not going to say it was easy and like it did take me a fair bit of time. Um, but I, something that really helped me, I, if I'm not sure if your followers follow me, but if you followed me like last year, I think it was May that I did project 50. So it's a challenge where you have like seven habits that you do for 50 days. Um, and you share your journey online as you're doing it and one of the skills in that is to dedicate one hour towards something new that you've never done before so I kind of made a promise to myself that that hour in the day was going to be related to my business whatever that was going to be and then because project 50 is also a self-development challenge and it's based on creating a positive state of mind I did a lot of internal work so nothing ridiculous but just a lot of like journaling and you know, checking in with myself and figuring out what it was that I actually wanted to do. Um, and because I had moved to a different state, I kind of started fresh. I didn't know anyone when I moved and I didn't have family there or anything. So it kind of, I had a clean slate to figure out, okay, I don't have anything now. So what am I actually going to build? Um, and I don't necessarily recommend everyone doing that. It was hard, but it definitely allowed me to, you know, tune into myself and be like, okay, what do I actually want to build? Um, and I would definitely say the journaling helped a lot for me. Um, and I was, I've been working with a coach for a long time. So she's the one that has employed me. Her name's Rachel Ost. She does a lot online. You can look her up if you want, but she is also a psychologist and does a lot of mindset work with me. So she helped me build a mindset of, well, a very consistent mindset in terms of like my health and fitness, but also in terms of figuring out who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. I'm not sure if that answered the question, but. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And also I think you mentioned two very interesting concepts there that I also wanted to dive deeper because you mentioned that you moved to a different city and then it's very, it's a very interesting time when you just basically don't know anyone and you you even get the chance to kind of reinvent yourself or also get to know yourself and i had a similar experience when i was i moved to the netherlands when i was 17 years old so that was very interesting because then you have a completely different environment you don't know everyone anyone there and then you get to see how you would act and see what you would like to be doing and it's it's very interesting so as you mentioned, I would not recommend that everyone does it because it is usually quite hard to move somewhere where you don't know anyone, you have no idea what you, you, you're going to do. But it is also very refreshing because sometimes our old environment can be holding us back. And when we have a fresh new environment with nothing, <laughs> we, it, it really can help us to 
get to know ourselves. And then the second part that I also wanted to dive deeper, you mentioned about um, having the coach. And I think it's also very interesting because sometimes we can go on this journey ourselves and we can start figuring out, you know, through journaling and other things, uh, self-development activities, who we are, what we'd like to be doing. But sometimes just to get in touch with someone who has the blueprint and can help us and can uh, direct us is very beneficial. And also is serving as a shortcut because you can do the same on your own, but it will take you so much longer if you don't have a course or a coach or some, even reading a book can also give you that blueprint. So uh, I just wanted to point out to everyone who is doubting whether they should do it or reach out to experts for help to actually do it because it's, it, it's, I feel like it's not talked enough, but it can give such a um, huge advantage and help with that leap forward that one needs. Yeah. And if I can just pop in there, it was one of those things. I, it took me a long time to actually make that commitment as well, because I'm, I'm someone that is very self-critical. I'm a, bit of a perfectionist with a lot of things and for me to you know accept to have a coach it was kind of like do I need that like surely I can just do it on my own like do I is that actually necessary but when I kind of put that aside and I've always I love the quote of um I had it now I've forgotten it but like all coaches need coaches and it's the same because there's there's always going to be someone better than you or there's always going to be someone that knows more than you or something different from you. So I think when you do work with other people, it doesn't have to be in health and fitness. It can be whatever career, I don't know, anything really, but it's just that yeah. being able to see what they know because they might know something that you don't. And then it allows you to grow in a different way that you might not have ever been able to do on your own. Absolutely. And I, I, it's so interesting that you mentioned that you are a perfectionist and that's, and that's exactly that thought that you mentioned that I should be able to do it on my own. Right. And I think so many yeah. of us have this thought and that's why I wanted to point it out that it's so great that you did uh, reach out to have a coach and it has, it has had such a big uh, positive impact on your life. So then, um, anyone who really wants to do that, they can also, if they have, if they still having this doubt, they can still do that. And I, I see it when you, you know, one goes to your page, they see how consistent you are and how you manage to do a million things. And you have so many projects and you have very tight schedule of things that you're doing. How, how did it actually start that you, how did you, were you always that consistent? What happened? What helped you to be that consistent? Tell us, we need to know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. My dog. Um, yeah, so, sorry. No. Um, yeah, I just want to start off by saying that, like, obviously what I share online, it is definitely still a highlight reel. And as much as I am very consistent and what I show online is a representation of my life, um, there is still, I'm not perfect. Like I'll have days when I sit in bed or I don't do things. I just want to you know, make that clear. Um, but it, I definitely think, and I've thought about this a lot recently actually, but I grew up as a dancer um, and I was in a very, hey, sorry, I'll just start that bit again. <laughs> Stop it. Do you have a okay. dog? <laughs> I do. He doesn't normally bark. <laughs> um, do you need me to start that? 
part again. No, it's, a, it's okay. It's okay. People love seeing that other people <laughs> also have animals. We had a cat jump. So someone's cat literally jumped and flew uh, just in front of the camera. So it was hilarious. <laughs> but that moment was the one that was rewatched the most. <laughs> people were just the flying That's cat. True. <laughs> that is very true. Um, so you were saying yeah, you were... So yeah, I grew up as a dancer um, from a very, very young age. So my sister, my mum, and my nana were all dancers and they were all very successful at what they did. Um, and I think growing up in that industry, it learnt, like it taught me, sorry, a lot of discipline that I didn't realise until I was older because there were definitely a lot of times when I didn't want to go to practice or I didn't want to be in the team and mum would make me go even though I didn't want to. Um, and so I definitely think that industry built a lot of discipline in me. Um, but in saying that, I was also a very organized person growing up. I have always been a bit of a perfectionist. But in saying that, you do still obviously learn as you grow up. And I found that I'm someone that learned, like I love learning about how to be organized and be able to manage my time. I like being able to make the most out of my days. So I just... I was someone that wanted to figure out, okay, I want to be doing all of these things. How can I actually do that in a way that's sustainable and not just burn me out in about a week's time? Um, so, yeah, I think the dance industry definitely, like, gave me a bit of a head start and then it kind of just built up from there, I guess. It's so interesting that sometimes the things that we do in our childhood can help us embed those positive habits that then it just becomes who we are and how we interact with this world. But I absolutely agree with you that, especially when you have so many things that you want to do and you work for yourself, it's so hard to not just work all the time unless you put in conscious effort and plan your day. Because if you work for yourself and you love what you do, you can wake up and just start working from the moment you wake up and keep working until, until you go to bed. And I, I think it's something that I notice in myself because I don't work yet fully for myself, but I, so I have my main job and I do this on the side, but I'm so passionate about everything that I do that I would take holidays from my main job and I would work full time do, doing these things. And I, I'm, I'm really interested about this topic of actually planning out your day because I really like this quote, you know, if you don't, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. And I saw that you yeah. also mentioned that, that quote. So how does your day look like? Because I saw that you do have your 5 a.m. morning routine, you have your evening routine. So could you please share a bit more about how you plan your day to actually avoid burning out? And what does your morning routine look like? What does your evening routine look like? Yeah. So I, I'm actually in the process of switching it up. Um, but from what I've been doing at the moment, and it's still the same concept, it's just changed around a little bit. But I, where I live in Australia, the sun rises at the moment at like 4.30 a.m. So it's very easy for us to get up early and it, the sun sets at like 5.36 p.m. So our days are very long, but it kind of allows us to get into a better sleep cycle. Um, but, yeah, I've always been an early riser, so I normally get up between 5 and 6 depending on the day. I like to – my morning is – I've always said my morning is my time. Like I don't <laughs> – that's when I'm very – I don't talk to people. 
Um, I don't go on my phone. I will always make sure that's the time when I set myself up for the day and my mindset up for the day. So I'll do anything like my journaling or meditation or just reading something to just keep my mind calm when I wake up. And then obviously I just wash my face, do my skincare, that sort of thing. And then I would normally go to the gym. So I was going to the gym at like 6, 6.30 and um, be there for however long I needed. And then I'd come home, have a shower, get myself ready, have breakfast. And then by the time I'd start work, it was sort of between 9 to 10 o'clock. I'm actually changing that round at the moment to work first from like 5-ish till 10 to 11-ish and then go to the gym afterwards. Um, and the reason that I'm doing this is because I find that I'm the most creative in the morning. So I'm going to be able to channel more of my creative mindset into my work straight away as opposed to delaying it until later. Um, so that's something that I'm going to be trying out. I have only done it for like a couple of days, so I can't say if it's going to work or not. But I would say biggest thing for me in the morning is making sure that I have that time for myself first before I jump into anything else. And I always have my certain things that I do. So I always do my skincare or always make my bed or always either journal or meditate or read. And I always move my body in some kind of way so that I'm just, I'm clear and then I can start work. Yeah. And I think it's just so important to have that time for yourself, which is literally your own time and you can spend it how you, however you want, but I find it so beautiful. And when you said the sun is rising at 4.30, I was like, lucky you. Oh my God. Because I know. You know in summer, I live in Amsterdam. So in summer, it is also light at like five in the morning, which is beautiful. And I also love waking up early because I love having the time for myself. But in winter, you wake up at five and it's pitch black. It's so dark outside. It's so cold. It's probably raining. Yeah. And you're you're just thinking, why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's um, where I grew up is a bit more like that. So the state that I grew up in, um, it still gets lighter by maybe like seven o'clock, but it's very much like the mornings are freezing cold and it's very dark. And it's, it is a lot harder to get yourself up and out of bed. Whereas when it's bright here and it's already like 25 degrees outside, I don't want to be in bed. <laughs> Exactly. It almost, it just pulls you out of bed. And I, I'm so lucky I'm in South Africa at the moment and it, it, it gets light also at five in the morning. So I've been waking up with the sunshine and it, it really does make the biggest difference to the mood and just to how you feel to see the sunshine. I think it, it is just, it, it's so much easier to be depressed in the Netherlands in winter. <laughs> I do want to add in there. It's something that, um, you get a lot of questions about, or I've had a few questions about like if I live somewhere that it is dark in the morning and people struggle to get up and they want to. Um, something that actually helps me is, and I do this for my night routine, I have LED lights in my bedroom and my bathroom that I can set timers on of how dark and light they are. So I use them at night to, like, I dim them as it gets closer to when I need to go to bed but I've heard that people also use them in the morning. So they've put a timer on them for when they need to start increasing. So it kind of like tricks your brain to thinking that the sun is rising. So you can wake up earlier with it still being dark outside. Oh, so I love that. Cool. It's so practical. And what about your evening routine? So you already started mentioning that you do have those LED lights. So what do you do? Mm. Yeah. So I normally try to finish up work and it will vary obviously, but on a typical day, 
I normally try to finish up work sometime between four and five. Um, and then I take my dog to the dog park or for a walk because obviously I live in an apartment, so he doesn't have a backyard. Um, so that's kind of like, that's the way for me to tick off in my mind that you have finished work for the day because when you work from home, it can be easy to just keep going. Um, so we take him out and do something to kind of clear my mind. And then I come home, I have a shower and just get myself in comfy clothes. And then I will make dinner and I make sure that I like to cook at home most of the time. So I make myself a nice meal. And that's sort of when I start to like, dim the lights as such so I like to have a darker environment towards the end of the day uh, so I like to turn on lead lights and I'll probably light a candle or something like that I might watch some Netflix or read a book or something while I'm having dinner because I have a roommate at the moment but she works mornings and nights so I'm normally by myself which works well for me and then so that's kind of goes until about eight o'clock and then the lights that I have will start dimming from 8.30. So they'll change from like a white light to a blue light at 8.30 and then they'll dim again at nine and then they'll shut off at 9.30. So it kind of, it prompts me into knowing, okay, you need to go to bed now or you need to do something else because the lights are going to go off. Um, so I normally head to my bedroom like 8, 8.30ish and I like to read a fiction book before I go to bed because it kind of winds my brain down. Um, but I can't read nonfiction because I feel like my mind is too activated <laughs> before I'm about to go to sleep. Oh, wow. That's such a beautiful evening routine. And it's so cool that you actually managed to get to bed at 8, 8.30. It's something that I I'm struggle with. I'm not asleep with. then, though. <laughs> <laughs> that will make that be clear. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I, I yeah, so, so but at least you are in bed reading that book, so you're already very close to actually falling asleep. And uh, I, I know it's you know so many people want to go out and party, and I am all about going to bed early, waking up early. I just love this. I agree. <laughs> but, yeah, and I'm someone that I like to make sure I'm getting enough sleep. I do struggle with getting eight hours most of the time like I'm trying to stretch it out to eight hours but I normally like to get seven because I feel like that's I need my rest <laughs> I like my yeah. sleep yeah and once again you you look like you have the, your life structured so so well but I saw that you briefly mentioned something around that you were actually admitted to hospital and that was a big turning point in your life. And you mentioned it just briefly. So I really wanted to dive deeper into this topic. And if you could share your story with uh, everyone who's listening in and how it impacted you and what happened actually. Mm. And I shared it a little bit more, um, like closer to the time and when I was coming out of it and I had a lot smaller of an audience and I've definitely haven't shared much of it recently since my audience has grown. Um, but it, it's, I'm not ashamed of it and you know, I'm happy to share it because I feel like it does provide so much value to others. Um, but what happened, I, I was admitted to hospital and diagnosed with anorexia nervosa, so an eating disorder. I had developed that over quite a few years. I think the dance industry um, probably put some of those mindsets in me from a young age. And then as I grew up in high school, I started doing outdoor ed, which is like you get to go on hikes and go outside adventuring a lot. 
Um, and to do that, we were training for a two-week hike in New Zealand where we just took our rucksacks. Um, best experience I've ever done. But in saying that, we had to do a lot of training leading up to it. And we had to like have all of our food with us because we only took a backpack. And there was just a lot of planning and a lot of preparation at the time. And that year, I was going through a lot of personal change in my life. So things to do with like family, school, um, relationships and things. There was a lot that changed. And because I'm a perfectionist, I grabbed onto my outdoor ed stuff because that was something that I could control. And it kind of just developed. I kept wanting to control my food and my exercise. Um, but it came from a place of, and this is sort of where I, it made it a little bit more difficult to find the right recovery process because my eating disorder developed from a mental health disorder. So I grew up with anxiety and depression um, and I struggled with that for many years. So my eating disorder came as a coping mechanism for that, whereas sometimes it can be the opposite way around. The eating disorder comes first and then the mental health. Um, but yeah, so mine was the opposite. It was the mental health first and then the eating disorder was the coping mechanism. So I was just, I was overtraining and under eating and just wanted to be in control of everything because I felt like the world around me, I couldn't control, which we can't, but I just felt like everything was spinning out of control. And then I was admitted to hospital at the start of year 11 where I am. So I actually moved schools in year 11 and I went to my new school for half a day on the first day and then was admitted to hospital the second day. So that was very difficult. Um, but I had known for quite a while that I needed help, but I didn't know what to do. And my mum took me to a pediatrician because I was under 18 at the time. And she said to me that I was medically unstable and had to go to the hospital. And like hearing that, I knew something was going on for quite a while. And like I was seeing a GP, um, so just a general doctor who had been telling me like things weren't going well, but no one had really told me like the severity of it. And then like going to this doctor and her saying to me, like your heart rate is severely low. It was like, I think it got to about 33 um, beats per minute, which your average is probably, I don't know, 60. Is it? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. I think it yeah. is. Um, so my average heart rate was about 33 beats per minute. And she said to me, like, if you keep going like this, you're not going to be alive. And it sounds so simple. And you feel like someone should be able to just say that to you like months ago, but actually hearing it from a doctor, I was kind of like, it was the first time that I was like, oh my God, like I need to change. Um, so I went to hospital, I spent two weeks, maybe three weeks in hospital. I had the nasogastric tube. So I had, um, food being fed through my nose to my stomach. And then I was on the eating disorder program. So they put you in the hospital with, I was in a ward with three other girls and we went through the process of like different levels. We went and ate our food with the nurses that were there. And we did also see a psychologist um, that was connected to the program. And I feel like that could be a whole video in itself going over the process of what happens in hospital. Um, but pretty much I needed to get to a certain weight range before I could be released. And then when I was released, I was under strict supervision from my parents for, I think it was two months. 
So I was living with my parents at the time, so it was fine. But when I went home, my parents were then in control of everything. So they fed me and all of that. And I wasn't allowed to exercise either. So that's probably something I should mention. When I was admitted to hospital, exercise was cut out completely. And once I left hospital, I was still not allowed to exercise at all. Um, And as someone that's grown up as a dancer and then as someone who's training all the time, cutting it out completely really messed with my mental health. Um, And I know that my body couldn't take it. Like I needed that break. Um, But the couple months when I left hospital was when my mental health got really bad. So then long story short, it took a long time for me to find the right help that I needed. I never, I was, I'm very fortunate. I never relapsed when I got to hospital was kind of the realization of, no, this isn't me. I want to change. Um, and so it took me a few months until I found the right coach who is still the coach that I'm working with. Um, and we tackled the mental health first before the eating disorder. So once I got to like the root cause, which was the needing control and feeling like exercise and food was something that I could be in control of. And once I started to let that go a bit, that was when I could actually heal both ways. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a long but short version of it. Thank you so much for sharing. I think it does require so much courage and strength to share your story openly. And especially the story that is a bit more difficult, you know, it's not necessarily an achievement or something that uh, a goal that you hit, but it's actually stories like this that help other people so much more. And especially, you know, seeing you being successful, having this community, doing so many projects now, it, and then someone else is watch, watching you and they look up to you. So it's so great that you're being vulnerable and you share also some other sides, parts of your life as well. And someone listening in now can maybe have a similar, prob- similar problem and you being so open about it and so vulnerable is helping them just by you telling the story about your journey. So thank you so much for doing that. And I was wondering if you could actually go back in time and have a brief conversation with your younger self, what would you say, what advice would you give to her? I have thought about this quite a few times. Um, There's definitely a few things I would say. The first one is to just relax a little bit. Um, I, I mean, always used to overthink everything. Um, and I think just being able to say, like, just relax, just you're okay. Like everything's going to be fine. Um, and also I would probably say to not, not think as much and just do more. I think we spend so much time trapped in our heads and we have all of these ideas and these things that we want to do or we want to say, but we get stuck in the side of fear and just having someone there to tell me like you are actually capable, you can do it, um, would probably have taken me over the edge a little bit sooner to just go for things. Um, and probably just to be kinder to myself. I was very, very hard on myself for many, many years and I, um, I've heard this quote, I found it not too long ago, actually, and it said, if being hard on yourself worked, it would have worked by now. And it's so true because 
once you learn to actually love yourself first, then you can give so much more outwardly as well. And then it's not something that we think about all the time. Like it's so easy for us to just criticize ourselves without even realizing, like you might just do something and say, Oh, well that was so stupid of me. But like even just little things like that and just changing your mindset and being like, Oh, whoops, that was a mistake. I'll just, I learned this from it. And kind of just changing that mindset, I think is so, so important. Yeah, I, I can so relate to this because as an ambitious person, you kind of set very high goals and you have quite high expectation of yourself. And then it's so hard to hit those goals and you might have made a lot of progress, but you didn't hit that goal and you've been so hard on yourself and you're saying, oh my God, I cannot believe you didn't do this. And you start having this negative self-talk and it's kind of hard to switch to saying, oh, but look at all the progress that you actually made or look at all the effort that you actually put in. Do you have any tips on how to switch to a more to a kinder self-talk and how to recognize when the negative self-talk is actually necessary or at times when it's actually not necessary and it's not serving you at all? Yeah. Um, one thing that I did, this was when I was recovering from my eating disorder and I've also taken it into years afterwards, um, but they made me do a task that was, it's just mirror work. So actually standing in front of yourself in a mirror like looking at yourself in a mirror, it feels so weird and it sounds weird and it is weird, but it gets easier. And like being able to stand and look at yourself. And when I was unwell, it was the simplest things. Like I had to stare at myself and just like label the parts of my body because at that stage I couldn't even look at myself. Like it sounds weird, but I, I did not like what I saw. I just, I could not look at myself. I would stare at the mirror and just bawl my eyes out, like break down in tears. So being able to, Know, reinvent that relationship with yourself stand in front of the mirror and if it is you know, very difficult to start with just start simple and literally just label the parts of your body to so say that's my head that's my eyebrows that's my eyes and then once you start to get better at that then you can sort of say little mantras to yourself so like look at yourself and say I am enough or I am loved or I am worthy um, and I actually have a couple of little stickers around my apartment that sort of remind me things. So we have one on the fridge. We've got one on my mirrors in my bedrooms. I have one on my laptop. And they're just little like mantras that remind me of certain things that I might be working towards. So one of my biggest ones, which is on in my bedroom, is seek discomfort. So I did a reel ages ago, and it was actually the first reel that went viral of mine. And it said, and it was talking about how we need to seek discomfort in order to grow. Um, and that's kind of the one that stuck with me the most. So I, I think having those couple of mantras that you can repeat yourself over and over to help you build whichever mindset that you're looking for. So for me, it was being able to do things that I'm not comfortable with because I was such a control freak. Um, so having a couple of mantras that you can repeat to yourself. And then another thing that I did was also I did a lot of journaling um, and I used to write down if any negative thought came up or any that I could remember when I was journaling, I would actually write them down and then write the counter thought to them. So kind of like you fixed a new growth mindset. So if something came up and I was like, for an example, I'm not good enough, I would change it and say, I'm still learning or like something that's more of a positive mindset than what you originally thought. 
And then the more you kind of acknowledge it, the more you realize when you're saying it. And then the more you realize when you're saying it, the less you actually start to say it. So it's kind of like a repeat on effect. You sort of start with something very, very simple and then it kind of builds over time. And then when you get to the end result, then it becomes just part of your lifestyle. I love that. I love how practical it is. And you can really see that it is something that you've done yourself and it has worked for you. And that's why you can explain it in such a simple way and in such a practical way. And, you know, we never... You never want for any challenging times to happen for anyone, but then you realize as well that once you go through something challenging, then you you can help so many others, so many people out there with what you've learned and help them not to go through the same amount of pain that you did and help them along the way. And you can say, "I've been there, I've done this. That this is work. This can this can work for you. This will really help." Try saying this to yourself and. It's not that you've read a book on psychology and you knew that, that this works. You actually also, I mean, it's good to read a book and know what works, but then actually doing it yourself. And also then you can share it with people and they will, they could relate to you because you also went through some challenging times yourself. So I think this is just so, so powerful. And I loved how simple and practical it is and that anyone who is struggling now can just start doing it. And even if you're not, if you're not just, uh, necessarily going through very challenging times. I think all of us have those negative thoughts and it, it would be beneficial for everyone to start becoming more aware when we have those negative thoughts and trying to replace them with a more empowering one. hundred percent. And it's, it is as simple as that. Like sometimes we just don't even realize that we're doing it. Like it just, it happens so naturally to us. And when you start to you know, slow down a little bit and recognize what you're actually saying to yourself. You don't have to be saying it out loud. It can just be like the little voices in your head. And you kind of, like it shocked me at first when I did really pay attention to it. I'm like, wow, I'm actually being really mean to myself. Like I need to pay attention to that. And yeah, I think it's awareness is probably your biggest benefit in that sense. Yeah. And before I ask my last question, where can people connect with you, reach out to you and learn more from you? Yeah. So my main platform is Instagram. So I'm at Caitlin Armstrong with two A's in the middle, which is always annoying, but one A was taken. Um, so that's my main platform. You can always send me a DM. I try to get back to all of my messages. I'm normally pretty good at it. It might just take me a few days. Um, and then I'm on TikTok as well, which is at Caitlin Armstrong. Uh, and then I have just released a course with Dane Macbeth. So that is all related to editing. So if you're wanting to become a content creator, that course is going to break down everything you need to know to edit, grow and monetize on social media. And then I have my Lightroom presets, which is related to how I edit on my Instagram page. So how I get the aesthetic that I do. And then I will be having some more things launching this year. So I don't have too much community-wise yet, um, but we will be having some more things coming out. I can't say too much, but they will be out sort of middle of the year to late in the year, which will be more being able to build more of a community so I can actually chat with you guys more because I don't feel like I do that too much yet. Ooh, how exciting. <laughs> and my last question would be, and brace yourself, it's quite a challenging one. 
Let's imagine you're 80 years old. You're looking back on your life and you think, I wish I've done that. So now we're going back to this very present moment. There's already something that you know you should be doing, but you're not, you have not done that yet. What would that something be for you? Can I say three? <laughs> I had three come to mind. Yes. Um, the first one is to travel more. So I, I haven't traveled too much yet in my life. I've traveled a lot around Australia and I've done a little bit overseas, but I want to not necessarily solo travel. I don't mind who I do it with, but I want to take some time to go and explore other parts of the world because I feel like it can be so eye-opening to see other cultures. So that's one. I want to make sure that I travel more. The second one is to, oh, it's business related. I want to start up my own business with something like products that I can sell to you guys. So some, called it some sort of like merchandise or a product that can be used by my audience. Um, and I think the only reason I haven't done that yet is because the physical, like being able to deal with the physical products and everything that comes with it is a little bit overwhelming to me. But that is a fear that I need to overcome. And the third one is probably to, I want to live alone again. Um, and whether that means buying my own place or having my own apartment, I really want to um, make sure that I have a space for myself that feels like home. I'm a real homebody. And yeah, I think being able to either buy or build um, something that is mine and that just feels completely like home it's something that i would really like to do oh the fact that you have those three <laughs> goals so clearly outlined i'm sure that you will actually achieve them because when i ask this question a lot of people are like hmm, i have never thought about that and you are you're like number one number two number three i know i'm going <laughs> for it lift it out <laughs> yeah yeah uh, thank you so much for sharing. And Caitlin, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your story. And I'm sure that it will help and serve so many people who listen to this episode. Thank you so much once again. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. <laughs>